It's too close to call. Don't stop. Cause we're talking some good guys. Don't stop. Yeah, we're talking some good guys. Don't wanna stop at all. Oh wow, what a what a performance once again. Thrilled to have the ghost of Freddie Mercury back for a second season. I'm James, happy to have you folks back after that last commercial break, and happy to turn to my right here for my other MCs this evening. James, it's been a lovely evening, Diaz, with you once again, and we're thrilled to be able to provide this free exclusive look into the Ceremony of the Year, the Guy of the Year Awards. It's been a beautiful evening. We've seen some wonderful dress. Just everybody looks fantastic and somebody else who looks fantastic. What a special guest we have with us this evening. I don't know how he was able to make it here, but please, Mr. Perez, introduce yourself. Yeah, you know, I brought out my special white shirt for this. You know, got to have the, the, the top button unbuttoned, you know, look as fancy as possible. Make a good impression to our, our fantastic audience out here. So, so happy to be here. The very special guest, Xavier. Xavier, we're so happy to have you. As Diaz said, this is now a fully free broadcast so we can show your beautiful face to the world. Now, reminder, we do want you all to subscribe to that Guy Plus streaming service as we try to get it up the ground. But right now, we don't want to hide the main event from you, which is the goatee. We're building to it now. Going to have that climactic end to the evening soon. The problem is uh, we do need to kill some more time for the votes to get tabulated. They're streaming in nationwide. Uh, so we thought it'd be great to cut to our musical director, Don Hamm, in the booth. Uh, who was able to debut that absolutely fantastic new song we'll be running next year earlier tonight. Uh, I think that's going to have a great reception. But uh, Donham, how's it going up there? It's going good. It's uh, pandemonium here down in the orchestra pit. Uh, we have over 15 Berkeley College of Music students and adjunct professors who are on strike because they refuse to not work for $11 an hour at the ceremony. So... Apologies for not having our shit together. I'm hoping I can start throwing some loose ham, some Wonder Bread, something to feed them, get some simple carbs in their bodies so they can fucking pick up their instruments and start <laughs> fiddling away, add a little ambiance to this thing. So I apologize. So in light of not having a, a full band at my disposal, a full orchestra, um, me and the uh, other uh, musical director, Rod Nevada, are trying to figure out how to award an award of our own and i'm hoping that maybe you guys can help us suss this out because we're in a deadlock here do you guys think you can Absolutely. help me with this for I'd, if there's anything that we can help with it's stupid arbitrary decisions about awards okay we'll cool. the guy 
So we have a uh, a wet Nike shoe box uh, that I spray painted gold that we're getting ready to hand out to one of our fine candidates for the Pete Best You Fucked It Award for guy who left a band right before it blew up. Um, all our candidates are regrettably in their 50s, uh, so this is a really 90s-themed uh, award in line with the average age of whoever the fuck is listening to this right now. So our candidates, if I can jump to them right now, do you guys, are you aware of the song My Name is Jonas? Yes, by the band uh, Woozer, is it? Weezer. So Weezer. The first thing you hear on that song is the first thing you hear on the album. It's a little acoustic guitar, uh, and that guitar was played by a man named Jason Cropper. And if you're wondering who that is, well, he's the guy who played that and then promptly got kicked out of Weezer and didn't play anything <laughs> else on the album. Uh, didn't make the cover, didn't make the photo anything. Uh, he was 22 around the time of recording, had done all the demos with the band, managed to do that acoustic guitar take, got his girlfriend pregnant, and then Rivers Cuomo said, hey, man, that's a real bummer. Uh <laughs> Stop talking about your pregnant girlfriend. You're out of my band. Apparently they had a no having a girlfriend rule while they recorded that first album. And Checks that out. is, this is not a bit. That was a rule. River said you could not have a girlfriend while you're recording the album, let alone a pregnant one. So he Honestly, got fired. Honestly, it explains a lot about the Blue album. So he got, he got fired. He's the first thing you hear and you never hear from him again. So he's candidate number one. Candidate number two comes to us. Um, you guys are familiar with uh, Gwen Stefani, correct? Of course. Yeah, no doubt. Tragic Kingdom, seminal 1995 ska punk album. Now, if you look at the liner notes, you're going to see a lot of those songs are written by Stefani. The issue is a lot of them are written by E. Stefani. And that's uh, that's not, you know, some longer legal name for Gwen. That is Eric Stefani, Gwen's older brother, who actually wrote the title track and the number one hit from that album, Don't Speak, uh, all on his lonesome, and then went on to get fired from the band by his own sister uh, right before it came out. Real fucking insane circumstances there. Thankfully, he was nominated for a Grammy for writing that song and wasn't able to attend the ceremony because he had been fired from the band that he wrote the song for that went on to go multi-platinum, watched his sister take off. Uh, it has a happy ending, though. Eric Stefani eventually got a job animating for Ren and Stimpy. So congrats to Eric Stefani for being candidate number two. He also has some credits on a Simpsons episode featuring the members of No Doubt in the background. That is the Lollapalooza episode where Homer I, gets yeah, hit by I think Canada. they're I think they're all cool now, which is good. You know who's not cool? <laughs> Our third candidate, Jason Everman. You might know him as the guy who is on the cover uh, with Kurt Cobain of the album Bleach, but who did not play a single note on <laughs> that record. Uh, he did do the tour behind that album when it got released by Sub Pop and then promptly got fired from the band for, quote, being moody. Kurt Cobain thought this guy was too moody 
to be in his band. It's cool, though. He landed on his feet. He ended up in a uh, little band called Soundgarden, where he managed to do some writing, recording, and promptly get fired right before they released their hit album, Bad Motor Finger. He was so distraught, he quit playing music and decided he wanted to die by the hands of the Mujahideen. He joined the <laughs> Army Rangers and went to Afghanistan. He did seven tours in Afghanistan, then decided he didn't actually like killing brown people for a living and went to Tibet, where he became a monk and took a vow of silence for three and a half years, but then decided that wasn't for him and actually rejoined the Army Rangers. <laughs> did three more tours of beauty, then was honorably discharged and started an all an all vet band called Silence and Light. That's our third candidate, Jason Everman, which is like one letter away from being every man. That is a one of one story if you ask me. So I fucking so wrong name appreciate that guy. You doing it in that order because at the end of each of those i was so certain that was the person that was going to win yeah well you know the the whole crew is just they're in a tizzy fighting about who they want to give it to you got a bunch of nerds with horn rim glasses saying that you go to the weezer guy and a bunch of nerds and pork pie hats saying it should go to the no doubt guy and then a bunch of nerds dual wielding m16s it should go to the army ranger so we really need you guys to break this tie before this orchestra pit opens up to borrow a turn of phrase what are you guys thinking just the one clarifying question for me how far into that three and a half year valve silence did he get or did he actually do the whole three and a half years you know i'm gonna go to our research department the good folks at wikipedia and uh big supporters this is a good I, I, like the irony of a musician taking a vow of silence i you know if you oh i left out he also was in a band called mind funk good word, he doesn't fun. have any writing credits for that but he did play lead guitar did some backing vo vocals i think when you go from nirvana and you get kicked out of that Soundgarden's like not a bad plan B. Like that's still a seminal band that a lot of people love. But then the the drop from from that Soundgarden to, to Mind Funk, I just feel like it's way steeper than the drop from Nirvana to Soundgarden. You know what I'm saying? Like that's it really goes it's kind of like when you're you're on a roller coaster and it does the little lilt and like levels out so you get a a second to see how high you are up in the air. Before you plummet, I feel like that's Jason Everman's music career before he decided to get into um, not talking and or shooting people. To be fair, he did leave the war effort also before he blew up there. So in a third instance, <laughs> he has gotten out of somewhere for blowing up. Well done. Uh, Jason Everman. <laughs> nearly an Everman, definitely a guy. I certainly have my vote cast in that direction. My dad was an army ranger. This is an easy choice for me. The other, not him. <laughs> My dad was an army ranger. One of the other two, please. We'll make it unanimous. I'm gonna go, I will go with the army ranger. All right, All right we well, got it for it's, Jason. Uh, unanimous, which seems to have only pissed off the sullen musicians down here even more. 
One is we don't have any live music. At least we do have some pre-recorded music. Let's go ahead and run that new song one more time. Jordan and Gretzky, Serena and Ruth. Remembering great ones is easy to do. But what about the millions who spent their whole lives? Lost every footballs and catching sack flies. They're guys. Remember that guy. It's like the first time I'm hearing it every time I hear it. I did the other one. The one that you guys have been using for 40-something episodes was a bit to piss you off. And James, <laughs> in his like Pollyannish, weird way, just, just like latched it. onto it and was <laughs> like, I'm not owned. I love this song. And like wouldn't stop playing the Mary Had a Little Lamb MIDI synth thing. <laughs> and I keep listening to the pod and it would piss me off every time. It was like, I have to fix this because he's not going to. So again, I got 15 of my closest music school friends. I paid them a one and a half tenths of a Bitcoin each and... Got them to throw this together, so... I mean, the conversion rate is like 30 Dogecoins you're offering. Yeah. It was either that or uh, a cliff bar, and everyone took the crypto. But I'm glad... Uh, I hope you guys like it. Um, if you don't, I'm not fixing it. <laughs> I, I, uh, I really hope to stay on as musical director despite not wanting to do any more work for this podcast going forward. A bold statement to begin the re-election campaign. <laughs> Pray for me, guys. Uh, I have a feeling that my Warby Parkers are about to get kicked in by a 90-pound uh, individual. So please, back to you. I'll we'll send you some goggles. Don't worry. Yeah, please. Thank you. All right. Bye. As I'm getting the signal that we need to continue killing some more time, I have to admit, it is a little confusing to me. I, I don't know about you guys. I think this is a pretty runaway year for who, in my eyes, is the front runner for Guy of the Year. Uh, and that's Amy Schneider. You know, I don't know how much you guys have followed Amy Schneider all year, but sure. It started in 2021. But Amy Schneider has had a year from front to back on Jeopardy, putting together one of the most dominant trivia performances in history, frankly. She finished that streak in this year of 2022, finishing with 40 games. You're talking about the longest streak since Ken Jennings himself, not to mention almost every episode was hosted by Ken Jennings. If it had only ended at that streak, if we'd only thought about her at the beginning of 2022, sure. She might have faded away into the otherwise less important annals of a pretty shitty year. But you know what? Later on, we have one of the greatest tournament of champions of all time, including three people who have top five all-time streaks. Jeopardy made up a bye week for these three people. Just absolutely magnificent achievers in the world of trivia. And Amy Schneider fucking smoked all of them in her playoff win. She is now a multimillionaire after crushing this. And more than any of that, I think that Amy Schneider has got to run away with the goatee this year because of otherwise just what a miserable world it continues to be for trans athletes and trans guys everywhere. You know, you can look to the people that receive a lot of the vitriol, like Leah Thomas, 
like the cyclist Emily Bridges. And I think while it is good to, to stand there and be supportive of the people that are coming under attack, it's also great that there are some shining lights where pretty much everybody is okay with now the second greatest Jeopardy contestant of all time being a trans woman who admittedly didn't want that to be a big thing early on, but later you know, publicly came to kind of recognize what a momentous thing is. We love to see that uh, acceptance of a mantle of, of greater leadership. So again, I, I respect that our evaluators are doing their absolute best to cross every T and dot every I and make sure that this is a legitimate election. But I, I do think it's, it's silly that we haven't already called this one for Amy Schneider. Well, I'm just surprised that you didn't really, you know, bring up the case for Hans Niemann's butt buzzer. I, I thought you were really going to go go for that one, but I, I do like Amy I mean, Schneider. Hans Niemann won biggest cheat of the year over the sex scandal Irish step dancing team and the guys that put a bunch of lead weights in their fish. So like just, Hans just, Niemann's not walking away empty-handed or empty anus. Just the butt buzzer itself, not Hans Niemann. Hans Niemann's butt buzzer. Well, that was the bronze trick. Did you not see them insert it? <laughs> But, I mean, just further to Xavier's point, I think just shows, this speaks to the quality of field that we have. It's been an incredible year for guys everywhere. And, and truly, just the, the guidentials of Amy Schneider cannot be argued. A dominant run through an iconic game. And we also, by the way, want to congratulate Amy for getting married this year. This is a big year for Amy. And I think that true, would be a great... True. Marriage would be just such a great second best achievement for a year behind winning the Goatee, of course. Well, it's a deep year for guys, as Xavier's also alluding to. And, you know, there are a lot to choose from, so I guess we won't begrudge them for still apparently needing some more time, I'm hearing. Xavier, let's, uh, let's do some crowd work. Is there anyone out there who uh, we recognize? I mean, it's a guy-studded affair, I know, but uh, anyone particularly want to chat with? Well, I, I feel like our, uh, our, our boots-on-the-ground reporter is supposed to be here somewhere. Uh, I know he was, you know, over in Omaha covering the Women's Volleyball Championships and then had to make a uh, quick stop over to Pittsburgh to cover the Penguins. He might be sleeping in a closet somewhere because I think he hasn't slept in five days. Uh, Jake Adams, are are you here? Yes, X. Yes, I can. I can hear you. How are you feeling, Jake? I know you've been very busy this week. Well, I haven't slept in about six and a half days. I'm not entirely sure what room I'm in right now. What the hell am I on this podcast? Is this a podcast or are we like? I'm not sure what's going on at the moment. Please, it's the Goaties today. It's the Goaties today, Jake. Okay, okay, okay. And that stands for what? Because I'm just used to Tom Brady. I mean, he's, he's a goat, right? He, uh, is, is that what we're, we're talking about right now? Because if this is a thing about Tom Brady, I'm like, I'm checking out of this podcast. The antithesis of guy, Tom Brady. I'm shocked that you would think it would come down to this, Jake. But no, we are, we're here live. We're, we're tabulating the votes for the guy of the year. But as okay, we okay. understand it, there is an, another category that you'd like to discuss right now. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I remember, uh, I remember now. Sorry, excuse me. I'm trying to intravenously inject my fourth shot of espresso here in just the last hour just to get through today. Maybe I will sleep sometime this week. We'll see. Um, if not, I will be dead, and this will be the last time any of you guys hear from me. But yeah, I, I, there, there, was, there was a category I think that caught my eye today. I, there was uh, something strange and beautiful in sports is, is when you see like you know, two fan bases, you, you know, they unite for, you know, Generally, it's a fleeting moment because usually shortly thereafter, they're going to start throwing punches at each other again or chucking beers at each other in the bar. But, you know, that's sports. We, we all love it. But, you know, sometimes they'll unite. And it's never really about the love of their teams or certain players. It's in mutual disdain and disgust. I think we can all relate to these feelings here. But it's, it's truly... Hatred, fe- yes. In hatred, absolutely. 
Uh, it's truly special, though, when, when those fans are rivals, especially. When can you name the last time the Red Sox and the Yankees got to cheer on the suffering of something else or someone else or Cowboys and Eagles? I mean, screw the Cowboys. I can't, I can't imagine the day where I actually have to cheer alongside of them, but that might come. But it is, is a truly bizarre, wonderful time. You know, it, it's what makes the one guy's trash is another guy's trash award so intriguing each year is because you have these, these strange, bizarre, odd moments in sports that just don't seem to make sense. Cats and dogs sleeping together, like just what's going on here? So, you know, I thought, I thought it was a pretty interesting category this year. You, the thing you always have to take into account is there's, when you think there's a front runner at the beginning of the season, you, you can't get caught up in what's the, the hot topic in, in March. It's, there's always a surprise candidate throughout the year, and you gotta wait until the very end to see who's gonna stand out because there's there's just surprises everywhere. Now this year's category I think was pretty loaded. We had some pretty disdainful human beings there, and Tony D'Angelo and and Cristiano Ronaldo and you know Vander Kane. I feel like I'm picking on hockey players right now. I'm mean, just you know it's just a bad year for hockey. But I think going back to what I said earlier, just with the when you get two opposing diametrically opposite fan bases that are uh, in unison for an hour, a day, two hours, five minutes. Uh, I think that's when it's truly beautiful. I think this, this was a, a tight race, and I think the judges could have gone just about anywhere with it. But you know, to, to give it to the current, well, I guess not current anymore, but most recently uh, Derby City resident Scott Satterfield uh, was an interesting choice uh, as, as someone currently living and residing in Louisville myself. I thought it, you know, I felt a little bit, of pride in this moment because I get to share this with the rest of my uh, Kentuckians or Louisvillians or Derby City residents, however you would prefer to recognize us. But uh, you know, it was it was a strange, bizarre year for him. You know, he was flirting with teams for years and years, and Louisville did not really appreciate that. And then Cincinnati comes calling, and he's he's kicked out right away. And some of the some of the great social media moments of December came from from that day, which is Cincinnati and Louisville fans alike just going. What the hell, man? What the hell? And, uh, you know, I, I, I applaud the judges for making a bold choice. You just really want it to be hated on both sides of the same river. Eventually, they'll just find a way to kick him out of that entire area altogether. Maybe he'll, he'll end up at Purdue. I, I think Purdue. the solution is for the two sides to come together and drop him in said river. It was well, talked about, very briefly, I will admit. There was concerns that he might be put in harm's way at the Fenway Bowl this year. He decided to, the coward that he is, stay away. Um, we did not get that, that intense TV moment that we all would have loved that would have gone viral for years and years. But uh, yes, the, the Ohio River talk was there for a brief moment, but then Louisvillean fans just realized, you know what, let's just let him go across that river don't bother to deal with anything else with it. And they just, they celebrated with whiskey and more horse racing. You know, I think there were at least three horses that day that had to be put down for breaking their legs in the celebration because they were not trained to be able to run in cold December weather. But, uh, you know, such is the cost of doing business. The good news is Stormcat has sired four more children since those three horses passed. So we are still <laughs> at a net positive. And Diaz, you couldn't have set me up better for this because while Jake joined us for Who Wants to Be a Guy Leonier and we loved having him on, it did feel unfortunate that we couldn't include you weeks later with our Kentucky-based episode. So I wanted to give you a chance here with the surprise 69 or 420 question. You're on the spot right now. I got my whiskey in hand and I just took a fifth espresso shot. Let's do this. All right. 
Here's the question for you. Stormcat's offspring have sold for, in total, $319 million. How many total yearlings were sold? 69 or 420? Oh, it's got to be closer to 420. It is closer to 420. It's actually more than 420. It's 438. 438 sires by Stormcat that have gone on to sell for a total of 319 million, including 98 that sold for over a million dollars. Thank you for playing, Jake. You are allowed to remain in our Rolodex. Speaking of Rolodexes, X, how you doing over there? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I, I am hearing that there still needs to some more time before the committee figures is able to, you know, announce the winner of our um, of guy of the year. Uh, but I wanted to take this opportunity to really, you know, talk about who I think should win and why I'm wearing this this white shirt. So we all just watched the World Cup. You know, congratulations to Argentina and Messi and to you, James, for for picking the winner. Commiserations to Mbappe and myself, who picked France to win. But Argentina was not unbeatable in this tournament. In fact, they opened the tourney with a shock loss to the second lowest rated team in the field, Saudi Arabia. The coach of Saudi Arabia, possibly the most underrated international coach in the world, and owner of the most white dress shirts with the top button unbuttoned of all time, Hervé Renard, has got to be a great candidate for Guy of the Year. He played in France uh, in the lower divisions, never amounted to much, although he did play with, you know, young Zidane for about a game or two at Cannes, but ended up having to do industrial cleaning because he just could not make it. So he had was waking up at 2 a.m. to clean apartment blocks and in industrial sites and eventually got a chance to move to China as an assistant coach. Goes around the globe, coaching in small areas. Gets a job with Zambia. Ends up winning the African Cup of Nations with Zambia, their first ever. Moves back to uh, France, where he's from. And goes back to Africa with the Ivory Coast. Wins another African Cup of Nations, the only person to ever win two. Goes to Morocco. Now comes to Saudi Arabia. And he's just, they were just fantastic this year. Despite being in a group with, with Japan and Australia for qualifying. They just crushed it and qualified with multiple games to spare earlier this year. During the summer, while they were waiting to get ready for the World Cup, he wanted to make sure he stayed grounded. So he went back to France, called up his old boss, and uh, asked to do a, a, a cleaning session. And so got up at two, at 2 in the morning to clean out a bunch of apartment blocks with industrial cleaners just to make sure he stays humble. I think he probably changed out of his white shirt for that one, maybe for, uh, for the sake of not destroying it. But then what does he do? Comes out, and they beat Messi in the first game with two fantastic goals. A little bit of luck having three goals disallowed for Argentina uh, because of offside. But you know what? All that matters is they won 2-1. to one. Maybe he, he might get a Rolls Royce in a palace when he goes back. Not 100% sure, but... Something to really top off that listening trophy cabinet guy of the year. He's definitely the most attractive and best dressed candidate we have. And he's the only one who beat Messi. So I'm going to, I got to throw my weight behind Hervé Renard. I see. You've uh, attached him as a way to kind of cover up your own mistakes and thinking that the Frenchman could be trusted. (laughs) It's all right. He's been, he spent too much time in Asia and Africa. I think he's learned about the failures of, of France. 
over the years and has spent his life trying to rectify that by lifting up previously colonized nations. There's something admirable in that. There's something admirable in a uh, otherwise Simone Bolivar-esque life. All right, so. Nope, shit. Thought we were getting an update there that we were going to be able to move on with the uh, categories, but no, unfortunately. Fuck, Diaz, we're still looking for time. Is there anyone else out there in the audience you can find? That you couldn't have asked at a better time, James, because I'm down here in our official VIP knowers of ball section. And we have quite a knower of ball over here, an eye test connoisseur himself, Jake Galley. How are you tonight? You look great. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm being handed a card here. Uh, just make sure you subscribe to Guy Plus today, the worldwide leader uh, in Guy coverage that you can't find anywhere else. Okay, uh, thanks, guys. Well, I'll... The, the veracity of that depends on if the check clears or not. Everyone listening at home, let me just be clear about that. But I appreciate you guys having me tonight. And, you know, you being a former TD, we're about like 30 minutes over here. What is going on back there? What is the holdup with the guy of the year nominees? What's going on? Listen, that is a question for my producer. As you know, I'm just the guy pressing the buttons. They tell me press. I say how hard. We're, we're still waiting. We're going we're gonna to get there, though. But I, I understand... There's, there's one more featured award that we'd like to get into tonight before we get to the main course. Yeah, that's right. I need uh, this group's help here um, in determining a select few that are going to go onto a committee, which I'll explain how I arrived at earlier in the night, uh, listening to a really moving speech from the winner of the Worth Bingham Investigative Guy of the Year, uh, the number one ranked snitch at Dev in the Lab on Twitter, doing great investigative work on the, I guess, crimes that are getting committed by offending players. And it got me thinking, the task of playing defense in the NBA today is nearly impossible. It is a dead man's endeavor. People who are already more athletic than you are now able to go around the already loose rules. So got me thinking what are some common terms that you guys would attribute to what we would consider a, a good defensive guard what are some attributes that they all share diaz they got that dog in them they have that dog in them okay go on uh scrappy tenacious I, active hands very important in a good guard defender fire For, hydrant <laughs> sub, fire hydrant some may say hard to kill right these are all good attributes. They're, they're die hard. And you know what? After I got to thinking about all of these and how do they all tie together, you know who also shares those attributes? A literal cockroach. The most <laughs> difficult thing to kill out there. So, you know, I was, I was speaking with a colleague of mine. Uh, I'm sure you guys may have heard. The preeminent sports scientist, John Brinkus. And, you know, he wanted to know if we could find the, uh, the best, most durable NBA defender. And so I came up with uh, an award, is how we're going to phrase it, to get people into the testing group. But the award is titled, Guys That Could Withstand Getting Hit by a Mack Truck Going at Terminal Velocity. I think there's a few of these guys who preside in the NBA. The type guy who, I don't know, for the meme enjoyers at home, when an anime character gets hit in a fight and like goes through a bunch Truck of mountains <laughs> gets up and says oh this is starting to get good those are the type of people who we're looking for for this award so i'm going to give you guys a list of people who i think 
if you hit them at full speed with a Mack truck, would skid for maybe about like 100-ish feet and then get up and be ready to play another possession. <laughs> like I think ever the, the name we're all thinking of, I think there's probably two. Number one, got to be Patrick Beverly. Uh, yes. You know, smaller frame, but I think uh, that dog, that dog presides in Patrick pretty strongly. I think he would take the force of the two-ton truck pretty well. He's good at moving his feet, so I think that he'd be able to withstand that. But I think physicality-wise, we're looking at Marcus Smart, another prime test subject, Some, someone who has proven on many occasions he can take a hit. Again, a guy who is uh, one of the most tactical defenders in the NBA, combines it with his toughness. And then we've got two more here, and I think they're, they're both equal to the, to the counterparts we just laid out. P.J. Tucker, I think if you weighed P.J. Tucker, like he, I, I think he would be like way heavier than you would expect. Like if, if you told me P.J. Tucker weighed like 300 pounds and he was just denser than any other human, I would believe you. Now we're getting into the range of guys who would get hit and now the truck is starting to feel some of that kickback. And last guy before I leave you to ponder and deliberate amongst yourselves on this award. Uh, how about Mr. Sim Bular? who recently went at it with Dwight Howard. Little known. I think he was the first Indian player in the NBA. He is seven foot six, and now we're literally talking physically. Like, I think that the truck is, is seeing, like, the worst for wear end of this year. Truly a menacing force in the paint. Uh, and these guys are, again, all of these guys, when you're, when you're guarding a LeBron-type figure who's coming down the lane, it's basically the same thing. So that's what, what I'll lay out to you guys. Marcus Smart, Patrick Beverly, P.J. Tucker, and Sim Bular, you can throw in Udonis Haslam if, if you're feeling uh, generous for the elderly. But that's who we've got. Who do you think I should deliver for a, a, a premium specimen to get uh, hit by a Mack truck? It's horrifying how accurate it was, but while you were explaining the award, the only thing I could think of was Patrick Beverly with the body of a cockroach and his head but playing defense, like standing on the back legs of a cockroach and using many limbs and appendages to troll Russell Westbrook and pretty much everybody else in the NBA. If you gave him a hard exoskeleton, he would become a supervillain. Forget basketball. That man cannot be armed with, with the capabilities of a cockroach. Society. This is yeah. a terrifying Kafkaesque reality that I do not want to uh, exist in. I did for a moment think that this award was going to give us an opportunity to call Marcus Smart a cockroach, and I was going to be in favor of him in that case. I mean, honestly, when we bring up cockroach, it's a compliment in this regard, right? I mean, you're getting stepped we'll on by say. seven-footers. Yeah. You're That's getting... What we'll say. You're hard to kill, man. Hey, look, when, when the nuclear winter takes us all, you know who will still be here? Cockroaches and this set of players who we just laid out. Gentlemen, I'm sorry to interject, but uh, I accidentally left the monitors on down here in the pit, and uh, the various slim-jeaned musicians are chanting Stephen Adams over and over. <laughs> just, just pounding, oh my god, I'm so Pounding on musicians. their music stands, just screaming Stephen Adams, and I don't know what it's about. I'm I've so been asleep for the last correct. 20 minutes since it was uh, the end of my turn to talk. So I don't know if that's related to what you're talking about, but they just keep screaming Stephen Adams at me. So uh, you know what? I don't know if that means anything to you guys. This is why we do peer-reviewed research over here at the uh, Sports Scientists Committee. That is a phenomenal addition to the group, and I think can stand as a fifth member 
uh, to the committee. We will accept that as, as a working fifth member. Yes. You need five. It's basketball. We need five. So a, a wonderful addition, uh, which I mean, I, I always love a Twin Towers and Sim Bueller. That is a certified guy. I think that is you only know Sim Bueller's name if you have spent way too much time delving through the like depths of NBA Wikipedia. That's the only way you know who Sim Bueller is. Yeah, I think he played for the Kings, what, like seven or eight games? He got, I think, in some summer league games. But recently, the only reason he was top of mind is I saw Dwight Howard drop like 70 points on him in some European league and was like bullying him. I'm like, come on, dude, you're 7'6". Six. 7'6", seven, six. maybe he wouldn't fare well against the truck if he's getting outposted by 40-year-old Dwight Howard. Well, it, it has been a joy, though, to see Dwight Howard finally actualize himself as a LeBron wannabe playing over in, and I believe China. I think he's playing in the Chinese league. Taiwan. Yeah, the Taiwanese league, excuse me. The, the, uh, the real China. So he's having a great time over there. Sorry if we just lost our Tencent subscriptions. We might not be available on Tencent anymore. But regardless, what, what an excellent category. Just the one thing I wanted to say for P.J. Tucker I cannot imagine a player in the NBA I would want to be screened by less than P.J. Tucker. A P.J. Tucker screen would send me in the fucking oblivion. Certified brick wall. He was well worth those two second round picks that the Sixers had to pay for tampering to get him. Well, it's, it's a testament to how much he belongs in this category that almost every other night he scores zero points. And I'm still thrilled with his performance from actually like everything he contributes. Those screens... And he's got a three-year contract at the age of 37. I mean, what a cockroach to be able to survive for so long. Now, someone here probably knows X-Men well enough to tell me. I've seen the Deadpool movie. There's someone who is a giant man made of, like, pure steel. Um, and he's big. Uh, Colossus. I'm going to go. Sure, we can go with Colossus. I don't know if he's that. Uh, Colossus sounds maybe a little bigger than what we're going for. He's maybe, like, eight feet tall. Regardless, yeah, that's, like, that's like his actual name, Colossus. All right, we'll go with Colossus. I will trust the, <laughs> I'll trust the committee here. <laughs> but yeah, if you were to do an autopsy, pull back the skin on PJ Tucker, that's what he's got under there. It's pure steel, okay? Pure steel. Absolute cockroach certified. Well, I mean, this, this, is, this is such a tough one. I mean, I think, do we, do we acquiesce to, I mean, we're not going to go above 11 an hour for the band, but can we at least give them Steven Adams? Yeah, I'm, I'm all in favor of Steven Adams. We'll bring that back to uh, Mr. Brinkus at the Sports Scientology. Uh, well, maybe not Scientology, where it's a working name. <laughs> uh, regardless, appreciate you guys having me out here at the Goaty Awards. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll go look for a drink. Hopefully, eventually, we get this award over with and I can go back home, smoke some weed, and play some Overwatch. Guys, well, I don't know what I, you I, said. I, I, but uh, the, the band has been satiated. I had the black bag over my head. I could feel the sharpened steel against my throat. They were loading up the ISIS graphics as we could speak. And then all of a sudden, they just, just as quickly as they got riled up, they dispersed. So uh, whatever you guys are going and doing up there, uh, it's working. Just keep at it. Thanks, folks. Yeah, but clearly it's, it's a powder keg down there. And we got, Diaz, are you getting any updates on anything? Well, it, it seems like, okay, so they're telling me kill about five more minutes and we should be ready to go ahead with our main course. But I guess just to round out our, our last finalist, we might as well touch on him a little bit. 
And what a come-from-behind performance was written off and forgotten about for much of this year. Coming back, surging to the top, and being named the finalist for Guy of the Year. And thanks to his incredible performance, if you're listening to this live as it's released uh, on Monday, two days ago, what an incredible performance by our Guy of the Year in beating the Dallas Cowboys. Gardner Minshew. What an incredible year it has been for Gardner. Let's start back before the season even started. The man is living in a bus, just driving around, training in different places, solely focused on ball, just him, his bus, and his weights that he was lifting and all of the training he was doing. And thankfully for the Eagles, we have an incredible season from Jalen Hurts, but like a quality guy, a guy always stays ready. Gardner Minshew... Now we'll step in, has stepped in, excuse me. I'm getting, my, my sense of time is just so corrupted right now because I'm just in awe of the guidum of Gardner Minshew. What an incredible performance on Saturday. Dicing up down in Jerry World. It was beautiful to see. And I mean, truly, I mean, the post-game celebration. I mean, we've seen some stuff from Gardner before, but I don't think any of us saw that coming. And it really cements what a quality guy is. Going back to the mustache at the request of Jordan Mailata, I mean, we can go back to the, the Uncle Rico comparisons, the photo shoots, and I mean, I think the biggest testament we can say to him is being acknowledged by Guy Emeritus Mike Leach uh, and being able to go there. A guy recognizes a guy. A guy brought Gardner in and allowed Gardner to become the guy that he is now, and just what an incredible comeback right at the end for Gardner Minshew really just showing what an incredible, incredibly packed finalist list we have this year at the Goaties. You know, I was wondering how Diaz afforded that uh, prison bus that Gardner Minshew just sold him for tailgating. Now I might be questioning whether there was some funny business going on with that sale. Uh... There was no funny business. Um, definitely don't look up the NY Post article on what they called Gardner Minshew's bus. There was nothing relating to that going on. Listen, this is just a guy that I think really earned it with his performance on the field Saturday. Um, again, this is just Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. And Gardner Minshew second. We love a guy that, for no other reason, has a suffix to his name. Indeed. Suffix. I was about to say prefix, and I was like, that is the one that means before. That's, not <laughs> That's that honors education network. No, prefix is the one where it's one price for the meal at the restaurant. I'm not dignifying that with a response. That's fine. That's, I, I have no regrets whatsoever. Anyway, uh, I'm hearing something in my earpiece. Sorry, what's... Good? We're picking up a little bit of um, a feedback on the, the sound system right now. I don't know if this is... I'm uh, looking at the booth to see if we got, got any info. Guys, I'm... Hey, James, Xavier, Diaz? Kevin? Yeah, this is, uh, this is your favorite long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, this is Kevin. Did, did you find a way to call in during the broadcast? You wish I called in. I actually snuck <laughs> into the basement. I'm in a really dark room right now, surrounded by wires, but I'm here. Oh, well, have, I mean, have you been able to watch the show from down there? I have. How's it been? We want to know what the longtime listener, first time caller thinks. 
I'm taking some notes from down here, but I felt like the show was just missing a little something. So I wanted to, you know, move a wire here, take it out of there, and I wanted to cut in on the show here. Well, I think that's it's perfect. Honestly, we're still looking to kill some more time before we get these votes up for the the final goody. So please help us kill some airtime, Kev. That's great. So I only have a couple minutes before police actually find me down here. So I did want to present my award, which I hope is good for you guys. So my award kind of ties back to my favorite baseball player of all time. A guy that you know very well, James. A guy that everyone knows very well. His name is Cal Ripken. The Iron Man. Yes, the Iron Man. You see, but Cal has a brother. Good old Billy Ripken. Billy Ripken, absolutely. This was probably my favorite highlight of the entire year. Arguably the most Googleable situation that you guys have ever talked about. So my award is for the 2022 fuckface of the year. Oh, good. Oh, perfect. Goes to Billy Ripken. Goes to Billy Ripken. You know, that's honestly a little bit appropriate because Billy Ripken decided to join Twitter just a couple months ago. And it's really incredible how well he timed his first venture into the Twitter universe. Uh, mm. So, you know what? He really does kind of look like a bit of a fuckface there. Well, thank you for giving us a moment to acknowledge Billy Ripken one more time. I'm glad that he brought some joy to you in this year. And, and I'm glad that we could uh, have you join us here before you, I, I guess it sounds like, get arrested? Oh, I'm getting arrested for sure. Yeah. I don't think what I'm doing is legal at all, so. Well, I mean, I don't want us to hold you any longer. If you think you can get away, by all means, get away. We would love to hear from you outside of a jail cell. But if you do get one phone call, Kevin, remember that we are more than happy to take that phone call. I'm sure I will be calling in eventually, whether it's from a jailhouse or not. But I do think I got to rip some cords back out, cover my tracks. And I think I got to start running down these tunnels. So I got to run. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Godspeed. Oh, and, and word is, thank God, we finally have it. Diaz, I'll go ahead and let you do the honors in a second, but I'll go ahead and get this envelope. Ladies and gentlemen, your 2022 guy of the year is Gardner Minshew II. Gardner, 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 Gardner. We've been, we've been harvesting some seeds here in Nick Sirianni's backyard. Garden has blooms, and it is thanks to the gardener again for an incredible performance in that victory over the Dallas Cowboys, securing the division, securing the one seed. But I think most importantly of all, Gardner Minshew the second, making Gardner Minshew the first very proud papa as he claims his first guy of the year award. Congratulations, Gardner, on a well earned goatee. Well earned indeed, and uh, oh, I, that makes sense. I mean, we've killed enough time here that uh, of course they got to play us off. It hurts a little bit that they got Bernie Williams to play us off. That's a bit of a, a stab in the heart to pull someone out of our own roster, but I guess that means we got to get out of here before we leave. Just again, thanks to a, a number of people: the ghost of Freddie Mercury for playing us in there, our musical director Don Ham, Giga guest Jake Galley, our better late than ever boots on the ground guest Jake Adams our longtime listener, first-time caller, Kevin, and to all of just the incredible 2022 guests and guys that we have discussed, as well as the people behind 
producer Craig, as well as the service at Red Circle. Guys, I'm really sorry that uh, we had to get Bernie a ringer to play us off. The band would be playing. Uh, I've properly sedated them, but unfortunately, I did it by buying three boxes of Costco pizza bagels, and they giving them each one. They're currently lined up single file in front of the one microwave we have, so it's going to be at least 15 more minutes before uh, they have had time to heat up the food, sit down, eat, and get back to it. So, uh, Bernie it is. Sorry, folks. Well, I guess it had to be Bernie in the end. But after thanking all those people, just want to thank you, dear listener, one more time for joining us in 2022. And hopefully you'll be back with us in 2023. I've been James. I've been the very special guest, but not the only guest, Xavier. Um, Don. I, my, my name. My, oh, yeah. My, <laughs> my, my name is Jake. Someone call an ambulance. And I am Giga Guest, also Jake. And for one last time in 2022, I'm Diaz. And as Nick Sirianni said, we want to plant the seeds and watch these guys bloom. <laughs>